We are going to jump in this morning to a new sermon series called Focus. All right. Now, before we get into that, I uh, this week, for I guess probably like the last two, maybe three days, I've had the same reoccurring thought continue to go through my mind. And at first, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, maybe this thought's for me, and that's great. And, you know, I like to think that. But it just kept reoccurring through my mind, and, and even this morning, it comes right back to me. And so I just want to share it with you. I don't know, maybe if you need to hear this, or somebody needs to hear this, but here's the thought. You're not who your culture, society, world, and reputation say you are. You are simply who God says you are. Understand that. That is who you are. That is the one, the author, the finisher of all things has created everything with a specific reason. And, you know, I want you to know this, that you are who God says you are. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And so that can bring us back into focus on what those those things truly mean uh, that we read within the scriptures, how they mean, how we can practice them, how we can place them within our lives. And the truth that I believe as we get into this series this morning of focus is I'm, I'm prayerfully believing that this is somehow going to begin to change you, change your life, change some of the things that you're looking at. That, you know, it, it could simply change your health. It could change your relationships, your marriage. It could change, you, you know, your, your spiritual relationship with God. But I'm believing that God is truly wanting to speak to us and talk to us and bring us back into a focus. How many know it's easy to lose focus? I can stand up here. Thank you. Okay, we got a couple truthful. I can stand up here and preach you a word and, and be giving, and then my focus could be taken off because somebody's cell phone went off. Did you all not like that? That was so cool, wasn't it? That was cool. And I didn't even come up with that. That's what's even better, you know? Let's jump into our scripture this morning. And uh, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 7. Uh, it's going to be kind of our, um, a little bit of our theme verse here today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 2 says this. Judge not that you be not judged. Think about that for a real stop, stop. Some of y'all need to let that sink in for a second. Judge not, right? Stop judging that you not be judged. All right, here, let's move on. For with what judgment you judge, don't you love it when God just, like he doesn't slap you sometimes. Sometimes he just gets you right up underneath the chin and knocks you completely out. You're a hard group this morning, man. (laughs) For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, uh uh-oh, it will be measured back to you. Now, what I want to do is I want to ask this simple question is this. Is the word money in any of these two verses? No. Well, guess what we're going to talk about? Not money. Today. Today, some of you are going like, man, you know what? Back on. Take that out of the uh, recording, please. <laughs> we don't need everybody to see that or hear that. But um, what we need to understand here that God is, is, is going to talk to us about is really how what we are doing and how it's coming back to us. OK, understand when you give, you're going to get back. I promise you that. You know, it's, it's, oh, we're going to get into a topic that I'm not going to like because we're going to talk about what? Giving. 
Thanksgiving. This is one of those ones where it's like, Mildred, I told you we should not have went to church today. Because pastor's going to talk about something that's going to be very uncomfortable. Let me help you out. If I say that we're going to talk about giving and you feel uncomfortable, it's meant for you. It's absolutely meant for you. All right. But the context of that scripture really is talking about judge. It's saying, you know, don't judge or you will be judged. And what I want us uh, to commit in, in our short term memory here is that last phrase, which means judge not and you will not be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So now let's take a look in um, Luke and we will see the same pattern here kind of forming. Luke chapter six, verse 37 says this. Judge not. Here we go. We're doing the same thing here. Judge not and you shall not be judged. All right. Now I want to stop right there and then let's look at the last sentence that we see in verse 38. I'm skipping the middle for a reason. All right. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. All right. So this is what we would call a parallel passage. But now that we've got those two places out of the way. I put emphasis within that. I want us to understand the middle verse and the context about it. And, and so let's, let's jump in and let's read the whole passage. Have I done confused you completely? You better not say yes. Here we go. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not. Here we go. And you shall not be condemned. Here we go. I love this. Forgive, and you will be what? Forgiven. Give and it will be what? Given to you. Now, here's what's awesome about it. What does it say? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So, here's what we need to capture here this morning about this truth. And I want us to take a look at the, the words or the terms good measure. We're going to take, it, take a look at pressed down. We're going to take a look at the, the verbiage of shaking together and then running over. We're going to refer to these. And, and what it really is referring to in this passage of Scripture is farming terms, believe it or not. According to the instructions within the Old Testament, understand this, farmers in Israel were to leave the grain that they had within their fields in the corners of their fields for their poor. So this is what would happen each year at harvest time. They, there were two sets of harvesters within the fields. The primary harvester, who was in the middle of the field, they were being paid to harvest the crop. And then you had the poor people who were in the corners of the fields who were harvesting the crop in order to feed themselves and to feed their families. Now, the primary harvesters, try to follow me here, who were out in the middle of the field, they would fill up their baskets and then they would carry it either to a barn, to a wagon, to some form of transportation. They would dump it over. They would go back into the field again, beginning to fill that basket again and again and again. Now to these workers, it didn't really matter to them how much they put into their basket. It didn't matter if it was full or not. They were being paid by the hour to do a job. So it didn't matter to them. They didn't care. In fact, the longer it took, the more money they made. They just needed to stay busy and keep working until all the grain was in the barn. Now, this was not the case for the poor people who were working in the corners of the field. That field 
was probably nowhere near their homes. They had no sense of transportation. They had probably walked several miles to get where they were going to the field. But however, the amount of food that they could get in their baskets was the amount of food now or grain that would then be available to their families. Are you seeing a difference here between these people? You have a set of individuals, farmers, who are gathering just to gather because they're being paid money to do so. That's how they're taking care of their families. But now you have the poorer people who are really taking the leftovers, right, that, that are there, and they're gathering as much as they possibly can because they have to in order to provide for their families. In other words, they're not going back trip after trip after trip. What they're truly doing in this moment is going and they're gathering as much as they possibly could. Now, they were pretty much in a life and death uh, situation here. Now, if you were in that position, you would first make sure you had put a good measure, not just a measure or a, a part of a measure or a half a measure. In other words, you didn't just put like a you know, a fourth of a basket or, or, or a half a basket or even three quarters of it. What they would do, they would get as much as they could in there. Then they would do, according to the scripture, they would press it down. They were pressing down. Why were they pressing down? To compact it, to create more room so that they can what? Then put more grain on top of that. So they were compressing it. After topping off the basket now, the Bible says that they would what? They would shake it. Why did they shake it? Well, that would loosen up the, the grain to where it would fall into the places where there was no more air. So now they were able to put even more in. Are you following me here? So as they would do that, having done all that, then they would pour in as much grain as they possibly could, heaping it up above the rim until it became spilling over the side. So here, I'm going to read this passage of scripture again to you. You can follow along. Luke 6, 37 to 38 says this, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. The Bible says what? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, we're going to make a statement here that's pretty shocking. Money does not appear in this passage of Scripture. Luke 6 and 38, we oftentimes refer that back to a money passage. In fact, most of the time when we hear about giving, we think about what? Money. Understanding this, I can't preach on forgiveness and not talk about giving. I cannot preach on your marriage and not talk about giving because marriage will not work if both what parties are not what giving forgiveness does not work if we are not what forgivers. So again, we're not talking about money here. That might be next week. You like that? You're like, I know what I'm doing next week. You'll be here. That's what you're going to be doing. But we're talking about giving. Giving is about the heart. Many of us, we, have, we say we have a relationship. We say we love Jesus. But deep down inside, we're having heart problems, heart issues. All right, let's take a look. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. Watch this. For where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be what? Also. 
Some people uh, might say, they, you know, all the church is is after your money. Let me help you out. God is the resource of everything. Understand that. God is the resource of everything. And God will provide regardless whether you provide or not. But the thing is, are you going to allow God to provide through you? We have an obedience, and we're going to get into that. Your heart, believe it or not, for many is connected to your wallet. There's a chain from your heart to your... You said, Pastor, you weren't talking about... You You were not going to talk about money. Follow me. Just follow me. If God can get your heart, he can also get your wallet. All right, let's take a look in... in, in, uh, I don't think I gave you this scripture in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, but this is the words of Jesus. He said it this way. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you put your treasure into a stock, what are you going to do? You're going to watch that stock. You're going to look at that stock. You're going to invest in it. If it's going up, you're going to sell it. If it's going down, you're going to sell it. Why? Because you want that money. You want to recruit whatever it is that you can get out of it. If you want your heart in the kingdom... We must put our treasure into the kingdom. It's a hard issue. He's talking about some things here. He's talking about judgment. He's talking about condemnation. He's talking about forgiveness. He says plainly, don't judge or you will be what? Judge. Don't condemn or you will be what? Condemned. And then he says forgive and you will also be what? Forgiven. Now let me ask you this. Who wants to be condemned? Who wants to be judged wrongly? But who wants to be forgiven? Well, that's a, that definitely tipped the scales there, didn't it? Then he says to do something. He says give. What he's saying here is, is if you give judgment, judgment will be given right back to you. Here's the part we don't hear a lot of preaching on. The good news, or the, 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 the press down, shaking together and running over. If you are continually filling your basket full of judgment and you're pressing it down, and you're filling more in, you're shaking it, and you're filling more in, it's gonna be running over. Can I help you out here? If you're gonna continue to press judgment out, judgment's gonna come back. If you're gonna continue to bring condemnation out, condemnation's gonna come back in. But if you're gonna continue to freely give forgiveness, then forgiveness will return to you as well. It's kind of like this, if you plant a seed, do you think you're, Just going to get one seed in return? No. If you plant a seed, whatever's growing is going to produce what? Multiple seeds. Whatever it is that you're planting within your life and that you're planting within other people's lives, I promise you this, if it's judgment, if it's condemnation, if it's unforgiveness, then it's going to produce seeds of judgment, condemnation, and unforgiveness. But if we are being a people who is trying to align ourselves and parallel ourselves with the teaching of the word of God and we're freely giving what? Forgiveness. We're not being condemning and we're not judging. What is that going to do? That's going to produce those seeds. Have you ever heard this statement? My mother-in-law is good about this statement. She says it to me all the time. It's going to come back to you. It's going, I never heard that until I came around here. That must be like a Eastern Shore or even Shinkatig thing. Oh, that's coming back to you. 
I pick on my in-laws so bad. And, and they look at me and, and she's like, it's coming back to you. You know, I, I, I push buttons with my kids. She'll look at me and say, it's going to come back to you. Thanks for speaking into my life. But how do we develop a heart of generosity? Well, Deuteronomy in chapter 15, God gives us four specific things. So let's, let's take a look here. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 8 says this. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Now, I love the early church. The early church was great about that. You, and, and I would direct you to, to the, first, uh, the first, right around five uh, chapters of the book of Acts. And you really see a lot of that happening. But we're going to take a look at uh, a couple things here. And the first one is this. If we're not givers, if we're not giving, we need to do this. We need to deal with a selfish heart. Can I be honest with you about that? There, there's a little bit of, uh, about all of us that's extremely selfish. And, and this should be an, an ongoing, continual thing that we need to God to deal with within us. Let's take a look in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 9. We're going to move on. It says this, Beware least, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. So selfishness becomes wickedness in the eyes of God. And so what he's saying here is simply, if your brother comes to borrow from you, you are to open your hand willingly and lend to him. You are to what? Open your hearts to him. But not allowing this wicked or selfish thought to come across your mind thinking that this is the year of Jubilee. Now let me help you out here. I love God's financial system. I wish it was in effect right now. And here's what it was. Every seventh year was considered a year of Jubilee. Okay? During that time, any debt was forgiven. Who wouldn't like that right now? Amen? Woo! Lord, I got a mortgage. Let it be forgiven. You know? And, and so what he's saying here is this. Like, like let's, let's give an example. If, if your brother comes to you, and, and he's saying this within the Scriptures, Say it's a few months before the year of Jubilee and he comes and he has a need and he needs something from you and you go and he comes to you, but yet you reject it because you know the year of Jubilee is coming up and you have to do what? Forgive it. We have a selfish heart there, don't we? So one of the things that we must deal with with inwardly on us is our selfishness. God did not call us to be selfish and to be wicked. He called us truly to be a selfless people. In other words, we're freely given. He's telling the people of Israel here to be generous like I'm generous. Can I, let me help you out. God owns everything. Everything. You own nothing, really. God is the creator of all things. Let me ask you this. Why did God create giving? Was it to support his work? It's kind of funny because, you know, God depends upon you for the light bill in heaven. God depends upon your giving in order for more streets of gold to be placed in heaven. Do you think that's why it is? No, God did not create giving for his sake. He created it simply for you. 
Giving more than giving is, is, is more than any other activity that we can do works selfishness and greed out of our lives. Now I would say, do you know anybody? But you would look at your spouse and be like, yeah, they're completely selfish and full of greed. Don't want to do that. I want you to look at yourself for a second. Is there anything about you that's full of selfishness and greed? That it's all about me. It's about my mindset. It's about what I want. Let's be honest. We all go through that sometimes. I'm, I'm going to give credit to somebody that, that I feel is the most selfless person I've ever met. And that's my wife. Absolutely. That's, that's bonus points for me right there. That's all them stories that I tell on her that she gets mad at me that she has to forgive now. Press down, shaking together, running over, all right? But listen, we, we need to be within our lives less about us and more about others. Now, we'll say this about it. See, I'm setting this up, okay? I, I said it's, just, it's all a setup. Uh, for all of you guys who are married, or even if you're dating someone, whatever it is, or if you've ever dated someone, or maybe you have been married before. I don't know, whatever it is. I'm getting into trouble. I need to stop. But have you ever... <laughs> that hurt, that hurt. But you go out to eat, right? And you're at a nice restaurant and you see multiple items on the menu that you would like to eat. This is my wife, not me, this is my wife. She sits there and she looks at him and she's like, well, what are you getting? I don't know, what are you getting? Well, I like this, but I like this also. And I'm like, well, I like that, but I'm not so sure about that. Well, why don't you get this, I'll get that, and then you can share some of that with me. No! No, you want it, you get it. Get off my plate. See, she's so, she's so selfish sometimes. What does God want? He, he doesn't want selfishness with inside of us because, you know, we, we can laugh about these things and joke, haha, and all that good stuff. But in true reality, that's how we act when it comes to things that really matter. We act that way within relationships. We act that way with, when it comes to God. God, what can I get from you rather than what can I give to you? Second thing is this. We need to deal with a grieving heart. He's still talking about giving here. Let's jump into verse 10. He says this. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and, all, and in all to which you put your hand. Right? In other words, if we learn to give with the right heart, God will bless us in all that we do. Now, understanding what does the word blessing mean here? You guys should know this by now. It means, God, what have you purposed, planned, and willed for my life? I don't want to get in the way. And in a way that can help us not getting in the way of what God wants to do in our lives is to do what he wants us to do also, and that is what? Give. Give. Have you ever, um, has somebody ever gave you something before and they're like, I just, you know, what? you could tell they didn't want to give it to you? And they're like, here, just take it. Like my dad, when I'd ask for money growing up here, just take it. Get on my nerves. Stop bothering me. You know, then I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Now I'd be like, well, no, you keep it, man. If you're going to give it to me with a wrong, you know, with a, with a grieving heart, with a wrong attitude, I don't want it. You know, I, I don't need that negativity in my life. What if God thinks the same way about us sometimes? Think about that. 
you know, and I, I said I wasn't going to talk about money, but I'm going to talk about money for a second. How about when we're sitting here and, and it's time for our worship opportunity through giving? And we do so, and here's what we'll do a lot of times. Gosh, where's that dollar bill? <laughs> or we'll do so, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm joking, yes, but I'm, I'm very serious about this too. We'll do so in a manner that is very uh, just, God, you know, as a matter of fact about it. And, and Lord, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it only because, one, there's people around me. If I don't give, they're going to think I'm not a giver. Or Lord, if, if, if you know, I'm going to give because I don't want to feel the guilt later because I didn't give. God wants what? A, a, a cheerful heart, doesn't he? He wants people who are going to do so out of cheerfulness, out of excitement. So the reason why we grieve after we give is because we thought it was ours. Can I help you out? What you have is not yours. It is simply not yours. It is God's anyway. And the full, what? The earth is the Lord's and what? The fullness thereof. When we give back to God what is already his, then we don't need to grieve over doing that. All right, here we go. Number three, we need to develop a generous heart. Anybody with me so far? Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. Verse 14. I love this. Generous heart is what we're talking about. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. God is generous, so God therefore wants us to be what? Generous. Like when you were born, your parents did not have to teach you to be selfish. It's just automatic. I've got one right now that I can't break it. And then I got one right now who's just, will give me the shirt off his back. And then I got one right now, I'm just not quite sure what he's doing. The other night, we were, um, Friday night, I uh, took Carter to basketball practice. And uh, after basketball, we get in the truck and we're coming back, coming back home. And uh, he's on this Lambo thing. If you don't know what a Lambo is, it's a Lamborghini. Okay. I told you about our vacation. We went to go rent a car and he goes up to the desk and goes, okay, we're ready for our Lambo. And the lady just laughs, you know? But so the other night we're driving, you know, we're driving back and, and he's, he's in the truck with me and he goes, daddy, I want to be rich. I said, bless God, I want you to also just remember your father, you know? And he goes, I'm going to buy me a Lambo. And I went, yes, I'm going to get to drive it too, Right. You know, all this stuff. And they looks at me in dead seriousness. He goes, but wait, if you need some money, I won't buy that Lambo. I'll give you everything I got. In that moment, I couldn't be mad at him no more for anything he did. Five minutes later, he did something. He got in trouble, but whatever. <laughs> Sometimes we need to be generous. You, you know, are you following me here? I'm not talking about just in this setting. We need to be generous within life. What are the things that you can give and give to others? How about, how about this? Ladies, let me help you out. You know how you got that secret recipe that's so secret? And you're not going to give it up until your deathbed. <laughs> be generous. <laughs> give it up, right? A little bit ago, we quoted what Jesus said in Luke 6. But let's go back. Read a little uh, earlier in verse 30. Uh, it says, to give everyone that asks. What he's doing here, he's dealing with the heart. So in, in other words, what do you have to teach your children 
that is so hard to teach your children? Share it. He's dealing with your heart. Do you realize what God is saying to all of us? We are his children. Watch this. When are you going to grow up? When are you going to become like your father? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He what? Gave. He didn't have an abundance of. The Bible says that he gave his what? Only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What did your heavenly father do? He was so generous about it. What did he do? He gave. All right, number four. Develop a grateful heart. I'm going to close up on this one. You're like, wow, pastor, this is a fast one. Well, anytime we got to deal with giving, it's going to be a fast one. I promise you that. Verse 15 says this. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. What is God commanding of us? What is he expecting of us? He's saying this. I command you to be generous. I'm commanding you to be generous. The authority that I have, I'm commanding you to be generous. In everything that you have, understanding this, it came from God. You need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that. Everything that we have, your marriage is from God. Your relationships are from God. Your job is from God. Everything that you have is from, the clothes you have on your back, let me help you out, is from God. The car you drive, the house you live in, what is it from? It's from God. Don't lose that mindset. Don't lose that vision of that. Everything you have is God's. And we need to become grateful about that. That like, we had nothing. You had absolutely nothing. But God chose to allow you to have what you have today. He's allowed you to have what you have today. When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you? Thank you for that. Thank you for what you have given me that I do not deserve, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the clothes on my back. Thank you for my children, my wife, my husband, my parents. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have provided in my life. I'm grateful today, Lord, for all that you have given me. I'm grateful, Lord, for the job that I have that I'm not happy with, but God, I know that you've got something else in store. I'm sure of it. I'm grateful for that. Lord, I'm so grateful. I want you to stand with me this morning. God wants all of us to be generous every single one of us, but we struggle with selfishness. I think this is a great commitment for every one of us in our lives, and that is this, Lord, I ask you to do a work in my heart when it comes to generosity. Help me, Father, not to be so consumed about myself. Help me be so consumed about everyone around me. How about this? I love this. When you look at the early church, the book of Acts, and I encourage you, read through those chapters. So encouraging. 
But as they were, the needs were coming upon them, the Bible says that they were selling of and then giving it away. And what is so fascinating to me about it all is that they didn't do it ungratefully, but they did it gratefully. They did it with excitement. They did it with expectation. The Bible says that they were dancing and, and singing and praising God as they entered into the temple because of all that they had been able to provide. And then the Bible says that their number, what, grew daily. The church grew. Not because somebody was standing here like I am preaching a, 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 a message, but because people were living it out. They were allowing that generosity to flow through them because it was what? They were pressed down, shaken together, and then they were living as if their life depended upon you. you need, we need to do that. Lord, I need to live in generosity with the mindset that my life depends upon it, but not only my life, but your lives. Let me help you out here. As they were pressing that down, as they were shaking it, as they were filling it and it was running over and then they were going back to wherever they, they, they came from, wherever their, their storehouse was, wherever their homes was, guess what? There was people behind and they were picking up what fell off to take care of their needs. There's people within your life that must have your generosity. They need you to be generous because as you're filling yourself up, God is filling He's pressing it down. He's shaking it together. He's running it over. It's for, and you're being obedient. That's the only way he can do that is because you're being obedient. Is that there's people within your lives, your circle of influence, your family, your workers, your best friends. They need those things in your life. Why? Simply because it's going to run over and they're going to be able to pick up those grains and put it into their basket. And then what are they going to do? They're going to press it down shake it together and as they're going they're going to continue to fill and it's going to run over are you seeing this it's a chain event here it's like a domino effect it's important that all of us get this i said this statement before you know what some of you in this room uh you needed you needed to hear this and that is you are not who society this world your circles of influence have labeled you as you are who god has designed you to be Labels can be taken off. But when the author, the creator designs it and puts it together, there's a structure there. And God wants that to be fulfilled in your life. And one of the ways that we can do that is, Lord, help me to be more generous. Open me up. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes with me this morning. God was so generous, as I mentioned before, as the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he did something very important. He showed the ultimate generosity by giving his son, Jesus Christ, so that he could be the Lord of our lives. Father, I thank you. You have spoken to us, Lord, through your scriptures on a topic I just honestly can, very, can be very difficult to, to, to speak about. But Lord, I know that it is purposed and it is willed and that, God, that you have designed it for such a time as this today and going forward. Help us all in this room to take what you have given us. You've given us some great golden nuggets according to your scripture and apply them, Lord, to our lives, being grateful, being more generous, giving, 
Father. Help us not stand in the way of what it is that you want us to do, but Lord, help us join in and to accomplish what that will, plan, and purpose is that you have designed for us all. God, I want to be more generous. I believe that the people who are sitting here today, God, they want to be more generous. Open opportunities up for us. Yes, God, that's a challenging statement, but Lord, I'm asking that. Open opportunities up for us to do just that. Become more generous. Because Lord, all that you have given us, it's not ours, it's yours. So show us what to do. So God, mold us, shape us, form us continually into that vessel that you desire. And as the psalmist said, Father, let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. We love you guys.